0: Another world, another time, in the age of wonder.
1: You are listening to The Gathering Songs, The Dark Crystal Discussions.
0: The story runs deeper
2: than you know, and you are part of it. And
0: what
1: are those funny marks? This is all writing. What's writing? Words that stay. When single shines the triple sun. Of your thunder, and that done, done, shall
0: the two made one.
1: And here's your host, Philip Mitchell. Hello and welcome to the Gathering Songs. This is the Roundtable Show on all things Dark Crystal. I'm your host phil mitchell just want to say thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of the gathering songs we are discussing about tides of the dark crystal it is the third book of jm Lee's sort of quadrilogy young adult novel book series which all started with shadows of the dark crystal followed by song of the dark crystal and now we're up to tides of the dark crystal and, of course, the fourth book will be coming out sometime uh, oh, this year, actually, in, in well in July. So, uh, we've got a lot of Dark Crystal to look forward to, you know, in the world of books. And today, we're just going to just do we're doing a roundtable, and we're going to chat about from chapters one to five of Tides of the Dark Crystal. And with me, I've got a couple of guests to, to help out. So, first of all, I've got uh, Peter M. Peter, thank you so much for being on the show. Always a pleasure, Philip. And, of course, uh, we have Nancy Gray. Nancy, thank you for being on the show.
0: Thank you for having me again.
1: And last but not least, of course, we've got Dom Nardi. Uh, Dom, thank you so much for being on the show. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. I guess we might as well go, you know, from <laughs> from Chapter 1 onwards. And um, I, I guess, you know, you know, for all the listeners who are who are new to the show, you know, we have released um, – we have done roundtable shows with shadows of the dark crystal and song of the dark crystal, so I mean, it's if you haven't had a chance to read um, any of the books, then I would you know recommend to you know go back and ch- check check the books out and um, give the uh, shows a listen as well before jumping into tides. Um, you know, just just my my little recommendation. Uh, but if not, you know, you can just follow along with us and um, yeah, you know, see see what happens from there. So, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll just jump right into it and, yeah, just go through, um, you know, we'll start from chapter one. So, pretty much, I mean, it was a pretty cool chapter that, um, that we actually see the sort of, you know, the three sort of characters um, uh, w- with Kylan, Naya, and Amri, and, um, and as well as Tavra, sort of, you know, uh, you know their, ju- their journey to hurrah sort of continues on. And it was kind of cool that, you know, they sort of put, you know, you know, that they encounter the wild land striders. I thought that was sort of like a fun little, you know, giving a little shout out to the land striders with all things Dark Crystal. But yeah, I mean, it's sort of interesting that, yeah, like at this point in chapter one, that they aren't sure whether, you know, anyone's heard Kylan's message yet. And I think this was interesting, yeah, an interesting point in the story about how, you know, they just want to go straight to hurrah, but Tavra sort of sets them off on a little bit of a detour, but one that sort of probably makes sense probably in the long run about that we can't go there straight away. You know, the fact that the Gelfling have lived at the hands of the Skeksis for generations, and that it was probably going to be pretty hard to uh, to tell the Gelflings, to, hard to convince them in a way. And as we see that, you know, as we see, I guess, you know, in this chapter that she sort of says, you know, let's let's go. Head so more or less head towards the Silver Sea, you know, t- just to go in that direction for now, as we find out much later on um, what happens. I mean, I mean, that, that's the thing, like in, in, you know, in Tides of the Dark Crystal, um, as we know that this book is from the point of view of Amri, who's the Grotten. So, of course, in the first two books, uh, the first one was about Naya, the second one was about Kylan's point of view. Uh, but this third one is about Amri. Even like sort of Amri at the moment has been going through some, you know, challenges, you know, getting used to, you know, <laughs> wearing sandals and stuff, you know, walking through that journey. What are your thoughts, I guess, uh, Peter, on, on about sort of Amri's sort of point of view with um Tides of the, of the Dark Crystal? I really like it. Uh, you're getting an outsider's
3: view because, you know, being a Groton, he uh, hasn't seen the world. So we get to see... Thaw through new eyes, uh, even if they are very sensitive to the light. And I think this is a good introduction to that, uh, especially with the land landstriders. Uh, we immediately get immersed in a sense of wonder uh, and also direction, too. So we're not just sitting there looking at the scenery. It's Tavra who's pushing them to say, we've got to go do this. Come on, let's, let's get it done. So we start immediately on the path to uh, correcting the issue of the Skexis.
1: And I think, like, I mean, Amory does encounter like this, you know, the pink petal that came from the the grotten tree, and and of course, you know, we sort of get a bit of a recap of you know what happened in the previous books, which again is you know is a pretty cool, just a pretty good reminder, you know, for you know for readers, the sort of you know all for new readers, but also readers that you know uh, just catching up on, on what happened last time. So they they do find out that you know that the message got it reached as far as the Silver Sea. Yeah, and then they sort of you know in- encounter a large you know ship that was tied to a tree, and they they come across uh, a gelfling called Onika. I guess I guess that was really interesting that Tavra knows of Onika, and of course you know I think they had the sword and like a couple of, of um Tavra's sort of things you know ready sort of as evidence that uh that she was you know that this because Tavra was you know turned into a spider where well, there was going to be a hard sell. But of course, you know, once um Annika heard, you know, Tavra's voice, you know, straight away, but encountered her, uh, knew that she was a you know, that she was Tavra. So that was sort of like a nice reunion uh kind of thing between the two characters. And as we know that we'll definitely learn a lot more about Annika throughout the journey.
2: So just to interject here, uh I know earlier Philip you said that you recommended everybody reread books one and two. Well, I didn't, I just didn't have enough time, but I actually thought Jam Lee did a really good job in this first chapter, just getting you up to speed, very subtly reminding you what happened in the first two books. What was at stake? You know, what the whole, the whole thing with the messages it didn't hit you over the head with it, but I felt like by the end of chapter one, I was in the flow of the story You know, I didn't, I didn't need to go look on Wikipedia to see what happened in books one and two. Like I, I was there, I was with the character. So so in that respect, you don't have to read the first two books if you can't get to it to enjoy this book.
1: Yeah, and I think like James Lee, he does a really good job of um, recapping uh, what's happened in the previous stories. I know like he did a really good job with it in Song of the Dark Crystal um, that I definitely remember him doing like a recap of what happened in Shadows. And again, I think, yeah, in Tides, he, he did a pretty good job. And I think um, as we get into, you know, in a couple of chapters later, there's sort of goes into the recap a little bit more in depth which I think works really well but I, and I think that's the thing like there'll be a lot of you know fans are sort of picking it they'll probably end up picking tides of the, of the dark crystal for the first time just because because essentially these books are going to somehow tie into the dark crystal age of resistance so it, it's going to be really interesting to see how how the books uh, become incorporated. Uh, with Age of Resistance, you know, I mean, one of the things I sort of thought of is whether like these, I think as we sort of get into later on, whether the show intertwines with the events of the books or whether the book's sort of going to be its own thing and then Age of Resistance be its own story that's, you know, um, not intertwining. And so I think that's something we'll definitely get into much later on, that's for sure, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, we're up to Chapter 2. And, of course, Naya, Kylan, Amory and Tavra, they all arrived um, at Onika's boat. We sort of get a bit of backstory, I guess, um, with Onika and Tavra as we, you know, we just get mentions that, you know, they've been friends for a long time and that apparently was, you know, controversy for a daughter of the Old Modra to meet, you know, to meet a seafar. There was somehow quite a scandal, that sort of thing. So I think that's definitely going to be interesting to see how that sort of, how that develops, you know, whether, you know, yeah. Like yeah. potentially, you know, being more than just friends or yeah. I'd be interested to know your take. Yeah. I just think it's going to go along the lines of
3: exploring <laughs> what true love means when one of the people is turned into a crystal spider.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and I, and That was the thing. Like, yeah, I was really surprised, you know, that Annika, yeah, you know, accepted Tara that, you know, even though she looked different as a spider, but, you know, accepted her and that, that was, you know, really cool. You know, that, Didn't need, you know, because originally I think in the previous chapter that they had, you know, the sword and um, I think um, there was something else from Tavra sort of as proof that, you know, the spider was Tavra, but uh, Onika was able to sort of recognize her. So, um, which was, which was really cool. And and yeah, it was like a nice sort of, it seemed like a really nice reunion uh, between the two and um, we'll, we'll certainly know more about, you know, more about that later on in the story. And, of course, um, this is, I think, when they sort of get into, um, you know, we, we, we've had dream fasting, but now we're being introduced to far dreaming, which I think is, you know, yeah, yeah pretty interesting that, you know, dream fasting has always been, you know, sort of memories of the past, that sort of thing. So it seems like with uh, far dreaming that it's sort of more, it is a bit like dream fasting, but sort of um, Onika is able to sort of, have glimpses of, of either the future or, you know, um, glimpses of, you know, what could come sort of in, in the story, which is really interesting. Dom, I, I just wanted to know, yeah, just just sort of your, your take on, you know, on, on what Far Dreaming is.
2: It's one of those moments where, you know, I think a lot of fans, you know, we all saw the movie, so we have a sense of, what dream fasting could entail. I just thought it was really interesting to see how the book took that and really ran with it. And Jam Lee has been doing this in some of the previous books too. But you know, it's kind of interesting in that the book isn't just limited. but It's not limited by what we saw in the movie. It is, it is really expanding upon it and in interesting ways to the point where, you know, I, 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 I guess it's it's kind of makes kind of reminds me a bit of um uh, Star Wars and the way that the expanded universe books, you know, well, show like you know in the original movies, we saw like Luke lift a lightsaber, and we all thought that was impressive. And then in the books, you know people are like using the force to do all these crazy stunts. and um so it just it's it's just a it's a really interesting um example of how uh, tie-in media can kind of change your understanding of the story and the world building and you know it just it kind of makes me it, it's almost one of those far dreaming it almost seems like one of those powers that is so potentially now I guess it's it seems limited to I don't know if I quite understand it, it seems like it's limited to Annika but I, I almost wonder if it's something that's going to change the way I look at the movie because now Kira and Jen can dream fast, but now instead of looking at that as some really impressive power that these Gulflings could do, I'm going to look at Kira and Jen and say, well, they're kind of they're noobs. You know, they're, 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 their Gulfling powers are actually relatively uh, uh, weak compared to what they could potentially be. And I know... We won't go into the. I guess we're not going to go into a discussion of the sequel comics here. But you know, I guess one one direction the sequel to the Dark Crystal maybe could have taken would have been to give, I presume Kira, but I guess Kira or Jen, you know, more far dreamer, dream fasting, more expansive skills in that realm. So, uh, just really interesting addition though overall.
1: I mean, I sort of like how they sort of keep expanding upon that, and I think we we're going to get into a, you know in you know, into a lot more, um, another aspect, uh, with dream space, uh, much later on. I'd like to just jump in and say that,
3: you know, in the dark crystal, 99.9% of Gelfling culture is lost. So what we're seeing in yeah. these books yeah. and age of resistance and all the other things is everything we didn't know. So there's plenty of room for all sorts of wondrous, amazing abilities and talents and skills that, literally are going to be dreamed up for us to see
2: yeah and it kind of does feel like a loss like it, I, I did feel like you know the the, Gulf, the genocide against the gulfling where you know it's like the world is less for that you know it's just like the way that in our real world if if a language goes extinct or a culture dies out or if there's genocide like if you feel like there's something missing in the world
3: oh, oh yes and that is a theme that runs through everything to do with the dark crystal
1: and I guess, you know, sort of moving on, like that's when they sort of begin the, the far dreaming session. Um, then away, you know, Thras connect to tonica and each sort of, each person is allowed to ask uh, one one question. And yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's kind of like, you know, multiple dream fasting, like, you know, you got five memories, there's sort of, you know, five people sort of dream fasting with visions of the future and whatnot at, at the same time. And of course, um, you know, Kylan asks if his message got through, and we sort of get, you know, the, the memories of him playing the message at the Sanctuary Tree of grot and that uh, that they do find out that it did arrive, Um, you know, as far as hurrah, uh, so which is good, so they were very happy about that, and also, you know, um, Tav- Tavra asked, it was her turn to have asked her question, and she wanted to know about her mother and sisters, and how they are, and and this was probably the kind of cool thing that was sort of actually got introduced to um, Tavra's sisters is uh, Celadon and Bria. And of course we, uh, as we know that Bria is actually one of the main characters uh, for Age of Resistance. So I think that's, it was kind of cool. I think uh, when I was talking to Joe at the time, when those first images came up and about a couple of weeks later, his book was coming out. So he's like, he was excited to see, you know, what people sort of pick up from, you know, mentions of Bria in Tides of the Dark Crystal. So, um, yeah, I thought that was really cool that, you know, that she was able to be introduced into the book, which was really cool. And, of course, there was an argument, of course, between Celadon and Bria um, about, you know, about the message and whatnot. Uh, All Mordra just mentioned, you know, it doesn't have time, that, you know, the two Skeksis are going to arrive soon, the Ritual Master and the General, and then they sort of, you know, then they sort of disappear and, yeah, and so Amory and so had his turn, and then he asks about, how do we win? And I think, yeah, towards the end of Chapter 2, that they sort of, yeah, brace themselves for in there, so yeah.
0: I think that um, it, that probably one of the reasons the moderator was so harsh on Brea is because she was meeting with the Sifa, which is exactly what Tavril was doing, so I thought that was kind of telling, too, that, you know probably because of Tavra's relationship with Onika, it's probably that's part probably part of her irritation that she went and talked to the Sifa about this, and in particular to Dreamteller, it sounds like. So, I thought that was interesting. It also means Brea probably, whether Mehran is trustworthy or not, Brea probably has a lot in common with Tavra. So, she would probably be a pretty good ally and, um, hopefully, you know, talking to her mother, except for it sounds like even her mother and sister don't really listen to her.
1: Yeah. It'll definitely be interesting. Yeah. You know what, what comes forward, um, yeah, between, um, all the old modern and, and Bria and Tavern and, and all that, um, in the story. Yeah. And so we sort of got into chapter three and sort of, you know, we sort of, Sort of get some, you know, sort of some vague sort of ideas of what, you know, the, the answer to the question is like on a wall, something that, you know, sort of got described as just a wall in the middle of a abyssal darkness illuminated by the light of the dream fast. And and, and seems like that only Amri sort of sees this vision. I, I don't know what your thoughts whether, um, you know, this wall is pretty much an interpretation of what the wall of destiny um, is. Well, for me, it seems to
3: be organically bigger than the wall of destiny in the film. I don't know if that's just because they couldn't build a giant wall in the film. Not, but it, it seemed to me to be much, much larger and impressive than the wall we saw.
0: Well, it was all crumbled and um, and uh, in ruins in the uh, film, wasn't it? <laughs> all overgrown and everything.
1: Whether the wall was actually bigger than what was... Originally, like, yeah, whether it did get destroyed, like over the years, and sort of that was sort of the last piece of it. Hmm, that could be interesting. Yeah, um, that's
0: just my my theory. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just yeah, just thinking about that. Yeah, um, but of course, you know, the the visions and stops, and um, and then um, I think Naya ne- then asks about um, you know, where they can find R- Rian and um and they actually sort of get a vision like from the present essentially um we see uh the chamberlain in, in a carriage um who's got Rian captive uh with these two two slugs that are sort of transporting them uh with the carriage and whatnot and sort of once they realise that that was you know sort of something that was happening right now then pretty much Naos sort of Pretty much stopped the far dreaming and just went straight to the, straight to where she you know where the action was going to happen, and uh, yeah, and so and that that was the other thing that I sort of wrote in in my notes is, you know, as one of the many things is you know whether this might be something that we could see in age of resistance or not, or whether whether the books are sort of going to be more its own thing and not too deeply connected with the show. Um, just wanted to know your thoughts about. Or maybe we, maybe that might be something we might get into much later on. Um, about that, that's for sure. Yeah.
2: Well, that was my first thought actually
1: when I got to this chapter. I, you know, because you know,
2: since we we all saw the uh, um, Netflix's uh, release of the photos, um, and we found out that Rian is in fact going to be a character in the show, and we saw a photo of him. Um, now, what I what I thought, and this might be crazy speculation is maybe the books in the show will run in parallel because you know looking back on it Rian was pretty conveniently absent for much of the second book and it kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of like you know when somebody goes off to have their own adventures in another medium and it's like oh yeah they you know and then they and then they have the crossover event every once in a while and then he's off again doing his own thing it felt very much like that. Like Rian again in this book, conspicuously mm-hmm. leaves to go do his own thing. I just kind of thought oh. maybe season one is going to be this this kind of crossover, this this overlap of the book. Um, I, I don't know. Um,
0: I definitely think you're right because also Rian was the character that the um, the Henson sisters basically came up with. He was actually supposed to be in the story at some point, and it might even be because of that reason. So I think that it's going to definitely uh, center about, around Rian and his adventures. And that's going to be kind of interesting because you don't find out everything that happens to him. And it's one of those things that it can be really interesting to see.
2: The other thing is, um, you know, if you look at the photo of Rian that Netflix released, it looks like a soldier's uniform. It's not it's not he's not wearing chainmail or armor or anything like that, but it still looks like a uniform. He's wearing a helmet. And if I recall from the first book and I'm going my my memory's a bit fuzzy, you know, that he was wearing a helmet as a as a guard. Um uh, so it kind of mm-hmm. it looks like the type of thing he would be wearing around this time period.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, I wonder if he would have, like, changed, you know, costumes, you know, know, to not show that he is a guard. Because, yeah, he was a guard of the castle, the crystal, and I'm presuming that that's the uniform that he probably wore, whether he would actually change, you know, into a, you know, different costume or, you know, that sort of thing to sort of hide who he is, you know, um... And all that, so yeah, I, I think it's just sort of very interesting, and and like, it, it, yeah, I mean, Rian, he he's sort of a bit like the Gandalf, you know, you know the Gand, you know, with the Hobbit, not not as a wizard, but I mean, from the point of view of um, with Gandalf that he sort of disappeared off and on with the Hobbit book, um, so I sort of see just a couple of parallels, I guess, in that regard. So yeah, I mean, that's the thing, and also with the plot of Age of Resistance is very sort of. Similar to what we're sort of been getting with the books um as well, that's sort of as a you know another point that yeah there is that potential that it could be um really could be more interconnected than what we might think um so I think that's gonna be really really interesting uh once we see more from from the show and um and so I guess you know back to the story they they sort of end up um uh encountering. Um, or yeah, attack the the uh, the carriage, and, um, and and they're able to, to get to get Ryan out, and um, out comes uh, Skeksis, Skeksis of course, and we get introduced to um, which is the Chamberlain, and um, I think this was a really big uh, turning point, I guess, with the story, with um, you know, with everything that's sort of happened previously and sort of you know leading up to this moment. When you know we find out that Chamberlain has the blue vial, um, you know the, the vital essence of, of Mira, uh, who was Rian's sort of love interest, I I could probably, uh, safely say, and um, and then you know they you know Rian's telling commanding the Chamberlain to give back the blue vial, and you know he takes the vial out, and you know it looks like he was going to drop the essence in the snow, but um. In a twist, uh, he he drinks it. Yeah. I knew,
0: I knew he was gonna drink it.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: there was no way he was gonna pour that in the snow.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, and and so <laughs> and I loved his comment. It was like, oh yes, sweet and bright as spring syrup. Yeah, and I mean that that was that was a really uh, shocking point. That you know the whole part of the story is sort of get getting that to the old moja. You know, as sort of evidence that. This is what the Skeksis have been doing. And now that sort of has gone away in an instant. Yeah. It was, it was one of those moments where it's like, you know, when I was reading up to that point, I had to stop for him and I'm like, Oh wait, this could change everything, you know, that we <laughs> from, you know, from moving forward, you know, it's like they've lost this evidence and, you know, what, what, what are the Gelflings going to do? What um, at this point in the story? Yeah. And so pretty much at the end, I mean, I think Amory, Actually early on in the chapter he was mentioned he was given this red spice, um, that Annika uses, I think, for, for Tar, this red spice, and um Amory is able to use that red spice to throw it in a Chamberlain's eye, sort of that um, so that they could sort of run away in time. Yeah, sort of they all run away. That's when I guess, yeah, in this next chapter, you know, we'd definitely get into this whole this whole other concept uh called Dream Space.
0: Before we get into that, did anyone else notice there are a lot of similarities between Kylan in and the, and the last book and Amory? Because it seems like I remember Kylan throughout the whole last book was kind of doubting himself and kind of feeling like he didn't really fit in and um, that he didn't have that much he could do. And I feel like they kind of did that with Amory. And I don't know if they were doing that kind of as an homage to the second book, but it's like, he he feels like he has a lot of uh, it's like he has a lot of growing to do and so did Kylan it's like, you know, instead of like trying to fight him with the sword he didn't know how to use, he used something clever, you know, he did a clever trick to basically, um to hurt him, but you know, it's not like he just lunged at him with the sword, which he knew he was having trouble with anyway. Which seems like something Kylan would have done in the second book. So I thought that was kinda of interesting. That he's resorting to that sort of thing as opposed to, you know
3: Well, we are <laughs> dealing with characters who have to, you know, go against centuries of trust in the Skexies. So mm-hmm. You know, they have to step outside their particular bubbles in order to get things done. I mean, uh, Naya is a really good example of somebody who was already equipped to do that in terms of being a hunter before, you know, she had to be called upon to Mm -hmm. take up the task. But she left her home, which she'd never done. So they're each facing things that they've Mm -hmm. never done before. And, and, you know, it's the similarity of that is, you know, universal Mm -hmm. across fiction, you know. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Well, it seems okay. to be an ongoing theme in this particular series. Because that's what, um, that's what um, you know, Nenea had to do. That's what Kylan had to do. And now that's what Amory has to do.
3: I like his well, personality,
0: we also,
3: though. We also have to see uh, uh, Rianne, a guard who is equipped as a soldier to fight, have to be rescued.
0: <laughs> so, yeah.
3: you know, it, it's really everybody's facing things they don't, you know, aren't equipped to uh, to handle, and they have to step up.
0: I like Kylan, but he seemed a little more, I guess you could say a little more emo about it. <laughs> but um, I like Emery, uh, though. He, he seems to have a, a funnier, kind of quirkier personality, which I like.
2: Yeah, there's a, they're both in this situation where they have to they're on a big adventure but they don't know how to prove themselves yet and kylan's issue seemed to be much more that he was not a a typical hero and that he wasn't he had no martial prowess and the book if i remember correctly like uh the book makes it made a big deal the second book made a big deal of that like he just was not good with weapons um and um he eventually had to find a way to contribute based on his own unique skills to the quest. Amory is a bit different in that my, at least my take so far, and I haven't finished the book at this point, but my take so far is that he doesn't really know, like he kind of got dragged along in this adventure fairly late. So there's almost a sense that he, maybe a bit of a sense that he doesn't belong, or is still trying to find out his role in this mm-hmm. adventure um whereas yeah. kylan kylan kind of came in with his skill sets and interest and i felt like we kind of knew what he had in his pocket or already he just wasn't sure how he personally would contribute amory just seems a bit more lost at this point
3: yeah contribute mm-hmm. is exactly the word i was going to say it's just why am i even yeah. tagging along with you guys
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially I think in in I think a couple of chapters where I think Onika says you know you know Naya did this and Kylan did this and Amory I, I don't know what you have done you know sort of thing, so yeah I definitely think yeah like you know as we get you know further into the story it will be interesting just sort of um, what Amory you know sort of does um, you know in in this story yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, like we're up to chapter four, which is, you know, we get this new sort of concept, uh, or, you know, new contribution to all things Dark Crystal this time with, um, Dream Space, um, as we sort of hear the chants of, uh, Datia, De Deratia, Kida, Kida, and Aru, Garu. Actually, I probably need to ask, yeah, Joe, if I, um, got them, got those uh, chants pronounced right. Um... And, and yeah, like this is such a, sort of a unique sort of way with, um, you know, this thing where Olga is able to sort of, um, connect everyone to N- Naya, Kylan and Rian, um, and Amory, and, um, yeah, we, we sort of in this Fast, um, I, I think like the, the one way that I've heard people, uh, people interpret, uh, Face it's basically, it's almost like a, a Skype calling essentially of, um, you know, Olga is able to sort of communicate with with everyone in this um in in this dream space, and um, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot less. Uh, are you there? Yeah, here, yeah, or, yeah. Well,
3: hello, are you there? Yeah. New to them, but everybody seems yeah. to yeah. immediately know yeah. how to use it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, that you know, having drop drop connections and <laughs> yeah, yeah, testing, testing, yeah. Testing, <laughs> testing. yeah. I know, because, I mean, she's, yeah. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, so we find out that dream for space is sort of the source of magic and prophecy, the world within our world. And and so, you know, Orgros sort of asks Naya and Ryan, Rian to dream for us Memories of the Past. And again, you know, we sort of get a bit more of that recap that we sort of got in Chapter 1. And, you know, that we find out that dream spacing is sort of another way to to connect to lots of Gelfling. And of course, you know, sort of recaps more into, you know, Amry then sees Rian's point of view of his, you know, of that discovery when he saw the Skeksis draining mirror. And and, and also, you know, later on in this chapter, we actually see that all Mordra man, you know, she actually appears in this uh, dream space. And, um, and overall, it seems like that she really has changed, well, not changed her mind, but I think she understands the truth uh, what's with what's really happening.
0: The question is still if she's actually being truthful that she's going to help or not, though. So she says she's going to, but then again, she's kind of in this weird position and being the go-between between the Skexies and Gelfling, I can understand why Tavra is so suspicious of her. I think it's kind of funny. Did anyone else pick up on the fact that she's compared as, like coldness and ice because they were talking about her voice being cold and then like her wings are co- compared to like mm, ice. ice yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, ice
1: queen
0: yeah nice, nice joke <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and and actually i mean what i liked in his chapter is you know we got an illustration from cory godby and we sh- you know it's it shows um olga and Amory, and it seems like you know that Olga's sort of using her sort of I don't know. I think it was like a third eye to to dream space to communicate. So I thought that was a pretty pretty cool um illustration to sort of establish that. But yeah, eventually they pretty much got told that seven fires of resistance must be lit, seven fires by seven clans before the skexis destroy the castle with a greed and that that's pretty much Thra's answer. So I think, you know, that that's sort of when we get into like you know, much later in the story, you know, with sort of the task of sort of lighting all these, you know, flames. While things are sort of a bit vague about, you know, in what extent that is, you know, do each clan have, you know, their own sort of fire thing? You know, is it sort of like Lord of the Rings, you know, how, like, you know, lighting the beacons sort of thing. Is it is it sort of something like that or uh, that sort of thing? So I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, how that sort of develops. And actually, I mean, and at the end of chapter four, sort of Olga actually gives uh Rian a special task. Uh which she says, you know, Rian, you have a special task, one that can be done by your hand or else by none. You must retrieve a secret object. When you wake you will know it. And this is a part, yeah, where sort of the dream for space actually ends as they sort of continue because it was sort of like they were sort of knocked out sort of unconsciously like, you know, they were sort of sort of asleep, you know when while they were sort of running away from the Chamberlain. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was
3: a really interesting choice. It's by the way, you're in
1: danger, but you have to lie down now for this dream. Sorry about that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's true.
1: Yeah, and so, and we actually found out that Tavara was actually in the dream space as well. So, there was a lot of I think I think in my notes, I think I wrote whether she was in the dream space, dream space or not, it because you know she doesn't have the body of the Gelfling, but it was cool that she was able to you know be a part of it um and yeah i mean this yeah yeah she she didn't get to speak did she no she didn't actually no
0: i don't yeah so i i'm wondering if she just chose not to speak or if um if she couldn't because of her form because it could have been since her mother did show up maybe she didn't want to say anything maybe she didn't even want her to know that she was alive at that point Hard to say I, th- I thought that was interesting too that she didn't have anything, even though she was technically there she didn't have anything that she said
1: and and so I mean and that that's the thing you know so sort of now we're at this point where ran he he leaves again um you know he always make the makes these you know appearances in the books every now and then, and that's where he's like, yeah gotta gotta head off to the forest or gotta go somewhere um that he's got his own sort of quest to follow now of finding this sacred object. Um and I actually I'd be interested in hearing you I know all your points of view, like what this sacred object could be. Um I think I originally thought, you know, I was thinking that it could be, you know, trying to find the the crystal shard. Um and that was really just by what Olga the way that she said it, you know, that has to be done by your hand or else by none. I just wanted to know, uh Peter, Nancy, and um and yourself, Dom. Just I know what what you think this secret object. I know could could be.
0: I think that um, that's a pretty good theory, especially because uh in the movie she has this entire box full of shards and doesn't know which one it is. It's possible if he was sent to find the shard, that he did find thing a bunch that were similar to what he knew he had to find, but didn't know himself, so he couldn't talk. Tell Aughra either, um, but it's hard to say because I mean, <laughs> Agra tends to kind of move in mysterious ways in these books, yeah.
1: so <laughs> yeah, hard hard to say. Yeah,
2: I think there's a bit of a risk just just looking at this as a as a book as a story in its own terms. I think there'd be a bit of a risk. If the MacGuffin, you know, the the object, were sh- or the shard, because we know what happens in the Dark Crystal movie, so we know that, well, you know, we know that the shard cannot be found at this point in time, or that if it is found, it has to be lost again. So I don't know. Like that, I'm not saying I'm not saying that it, that that completely precludes the possibility, but I think it it would be. Like one thing I really, so far, I've, I really appreciated about these books is that they've managed to get me invested in the world and the characters and uh, the setting, even though we know that uh, 99.9% of them all get killed in a massive genocide. Um, yeah, so I think mm-hmm. the books have so far done a good job of being more than just the backstory to the inevitable doom in the movie. And I kind of feel like having the shard be the MacGuffin would be, uh, would just, you know, it, it, it would it put that it it make it it make this less about the story of Kylan and Amory and Naya and more about, you know, this being a prequel to the Dark Crystal where everyone dies.
1: Yeah, and then everything has yeah. to be connected. And- yeah.
3: I completely agree and I actually am going to say that what Rhian is going to go look for is the Shard Finder and he might be getting it from the Cave of Cool Things that um, uh, Amry was uh, you know, so invested in searching through earlier in book mm-hmm. two so maybe he's just going to go and find a way to find the
2: Shard and that's still good enough
0: That would be pretty cool. Yeah, and
2: that would be making progress towards the inevitable goal. So it's not, it doesn't preempt the Dark Crystal movie, but it's a step in the way.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we still end up with a box of shards, because maybe the shard finder doesn't do a great job. (laughs) And it can only find ones that are similar.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because that is the thing, like, I think, that we see in Creation Myths, I think in Volume 3, that you do see Olga, like, um, spending quite a lot of time, like, Find, trying to find like different shards um yeah, exactly to try and work out thinking. and um yeah. so i mean that's a thing whether whether it can't be the shard just because it's you know because sort of olgra has sort of already done that task i mean that that's sort of on or whether she just happened to miss that piece of the shard you know in the castle of the crystal during her finding it um a lot of questions in that and i know i think ethan Erskar who's um uh part of the dark crystal uh oh. communities and um yeah
0: i just thought of something well i mean th- this might be obvious and people might have already thought of this but the it isn't um Jin playing a furka in the movie when he uh figures out which one it is and he matches it to the mystic's tone do you think that's the same furka that's in these books
1: yeah, I think it was... I, I think in DarkCrystal.com, they actually had on the timeline, um, I think, during the events of um, Song of the Dark Crystal, that, um, that it was just described as Jen's Furka uh, being made. And I think there is a potential crossover um, that the Furka that Kylan has could potentially be... Um, uh, yeah, that is the same Furka that Kylan has is what Jen ends up, um, having. Um, cause yeah. And I was just having a look at the timeline, which is on dot com. So it just says, you know, Naya leaves the swamp of Sog. So there's drink shadows. And then afterwards, and then it says, uh, Jen's Furka is forged. Oh, okay. Um, and then after that it says, Naya warns the more of the Skeksis, uh, betrayal. um, so I mean they haven't really expanded that timeline, you know, in, on their website. Um but yeah, I did find out, yeah, that's a sort of an interesting point. Um about that, yeah. And they just gonna um, collect. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And um, I mean that was the thing that I think Ethan Ersker, who's one of the you know, big Dark Crystal fans who's all, always on Dream Fasting or the Crystal Shard, um I, he had a theory that it whether that could be the Horn of Thunder, um, which is a a um the horn that I think jara Jen uses in Creation Myths in one of the the short stories um uh, whether that could have been something that um that Rian has to find to sort of you know that by the sound of the horn reverberates all the Thraar and they're like you know yes we have to fight you know against the Skeksis um that sort of thing so yeah. Yeah, I think
0: I would, Yeah. I'd imagine awe over something like that would be enough to um kind of stop kind of unite them as as a culture just because of the fact that Jarajin, you know, it sounds like he was almost a universal story, even though it was the wood the wood clan basically were the ones that were big into the Jarajin stories. They were spread across, you know, all the different tribes so that could be that could be that'd be interesting
1: yeah absolutely yeah and so yeah i mean it's just going to be really interesting just how it all sort of again you know sort of to talk about how whether these moments from the books gonna really going to tie into um age of resistance um i think it would be pretty awesome actually if we see you know if we saw like all the scenes with ryan you know that's been in the book sort of you know I'd be, yeah, just be interested to see how it'd be interpreted, you know, from book to, to the TV show, especially being able to see, you know, the characters that we sort of all read from the books, you know, with Kylan and, and and, and Amri, um, uh, how they're going to look like on, on the show. So that, that was pretty cool. In chapter five, they pretty much, um, they run away. They actually decide to go back to the boat and they, and it's pretty much just them just sort of having a conversation of, about needing to light all the flames of, you know, to start a war against the Skeksis. And, and I think, as you mentioned earlier, that, yeah, Onikar uh, is actually not sh- sure whether man would go through with, you know, believing them, the story and all that kind of stuff. And that, you know, pretty much at the end of the chapter that they decided to go to Saranar, which is, um, as we know, is the home of the Sifa clan that I think they thought that would probably be a good place to start off with with um light hopefully lighting one of the flames of um defiance i'm I'm
0: looking forward to that i like the sifa clan
1: yeah um because of course you because i think when you wrote your um story that was based on the sifa clan was that right nancy
0: yep it was
1: yeah yeah so
0: and um i'm excited to see what he does with it
1: yeah absolutely yeah and i think that's definitely I'll, i'll probably yeah definitely love to chat um, as we get later in the story about um, of J.M. Lee's sort of take of the CIFA clan. Uh, I think that'd be an interesting sort of, yeah, topic of, of conversation. And and yeah, so pretty much, at, yeah, at the end, you know, they sort of got away and and they're going to head to, to Serenar and, and just see what happens and see if they meet up with Mother Ethere, the Imordra of the CIFA clan, and um in hope that they'll, you know, too, light the flames as well. Because, I mean, as we heard, I think we had heard that the vapor, or the, you know, the city capital of um, Harai, pretty much, they've lit, and they've lit the flames, um, so they got one out of seven, and so I guess this is hoping whether, you know, the Sea for would be, you know, the second one to light the flames, yeah.
0: This is a tad off topic, but this is also uh, one of those chapters where it shows how close Onika and uh, Tafra are. I mean, she actually, Onika actually calls Tavra my love and talks about how their mother mother is basically always, I I have to find the page, but basically, you know, talking about how she's always been kind of a thorn in their side type thing and, you know, doesn't, and that's why she doesn't uh, trust her. And Tavra, I think, wants to believe her mother will do the right thing, but there's hesitation. They actually use the word, you know, there's hesitation before she actually said, oh, my mother, she'll do the right thing. So I thought that was kind of telling too. Mm.
1: Yeah, like Annika, I think she mentions that, you know, Mayan is the Orden ambassador between the seven clans and the Skixies and just how connected that she is with the Skeksis that, um, she finds it hard to believe, um, that she, you know, that she could remain completely oblivious to what the Skeksis were doing. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Whether things will change over the course of the story, you know, whether, um, man does, you know, believe the story the whole time or whether she changes back and forth or or whatnot. So, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, yeah, the things to come uh, with the tides of the Dark Crystal. And I think that'll probably um, wrap up for, you know, for this episode of The Gathering Songs. Um, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for being part of the show. Um, uh, Peter, I might start with you. I just want to know how how can listeners find out more about uh, your work? Because I know you're currently working on the Dream Saga uh, book, so um actually be curious to know, you know, uh, how people can find more information about that yeah
3: yep they can just go to dwimsaga.com that's dw double sagacom and I post a monthly update on the 13th there
1: excellent thank you so much and um, thank you Nancy for being on the show and um, just want to know how I can listeners yeah find out about more of your works you know with your books and 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 so much more
0: um thanks again for having me um right now I've completed a six book series called spine chillers. It's, uh, it's a mid grade horror series, kind of similar to the goosebumps books. So, um, if you want to check that out, I'd really appreciate it. If you want to find me, I'm writer, Nancy gray on Facebook and, uh, my website is Nancy I also am, um, working on a few new projects, which I'll keep posting about on um, Facebook and on my website and, uh, kind of in between things right now. So please check out uh, the Spine Chillers series. Thank you very much.
1: Excellent. <laughs> and um, and Dom Nardi, uh, yeah, thank you for being on the show. And, and how can viewers find out more of what you've been up to?
2: Thanks. It's been a pleasure. So I have a small blog um, at Nardi Views. And I also tweet um, at the same uh, Twitter handle, Nardi Views. Uh, right now, in terms of things that might be of interest to this audience, um, I am working on trying to put together a book about scholarship, uh, of scholarship about Frank Herbert's Dune. And if you Google that online, you'll see there's a call for papers right now for uh, the the tenant title of the book is Dune for the 21st century. So um, if you're interested in Dune, check it out, keep it on your radar and maybe even submit something.
1: And of course I'll put all those, um, uh, links in the show notes so again thank you so much uh, for being on the show and yeah stay tuned for the next episode of The Gathering Songs
2: You've already taken too long Delfling. Hurry
1: At last the crystal calls it is time time to return to the castle The crystal calls
0: To the crystal chamber
1: So that's all the time that we have for this episode of Trial by Stone. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. We're also on Twitter at darkcrystalpod. We're also on Instagram at darkcrystalpodcast. Um, if you enjoyed the show and think that others will love it too, uh, please write a review on iTunes or on Facebook as well will um, I'll greatly appreciate that and if you're watching this on YouTube uh, hit the like button and subscribe thank you all so much and come back next time for more trial by stone